The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, it is your will to restore all things to Christ, whom you have anointed and ruler of creation. Grant that all the people of the earth, now divided by the power of sin, may be united under the glorious reign and gentle rule of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will sort them out. As shepherds sort out their flocks when they are among scattered sheep, so I will sort out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strays, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Here ends the reading.
is a reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter, beginning at verse 15. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among all the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here ends the reading.
gospel lesson is from Matthew chapter 25, beginning with the 31st verse. Listen with me for the word of God. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? The king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before I offer a reflection on this passage of Scripture, I want to say a word about the season of Advent. It is a beautiful, glorious season that prepares us for Christmas. And here at First United Methodist Church, we have many opportunities for you to engage in the life of the family of faith. If you haven't picked one of these up already, you could find one after the worship service. A half sheet of paper printed on both sides with lots of information about ways for you to be a part of what's coming up. I want to highlight a few things particularly. We have a few fellowship events for you, uh, ways to connect. Uh, Not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, there will be a potluck-covered dish in the fellowship hall just down the hallway. Everybody is invited. Um, It will be very festive and fun, and we will have Christmas caroling together after we enjoy the covered dish. So that's not this Wednesday the next Wednesday, December the 6th at 6 p.m. That same week on Friday in the evening, we're going to have Cocoa and Carols. This is a new thing that our downtown churches are doing together. Uh, Other pastors and I have been planning this over the past several months. Um, Free Cocoa from our friends at Mean Mug for everybody in attendance, and uh, it'll be a fun chance to be out at the Bell Tower Green. Uh, The Christmas tree looks so beautiful at night with all the lights at the park. It'll be a great time together. Uh, Plan to be there. And then uh, youth and kids Christmas parties are coming up on Sunday, December 17th, and that'll be fun for our youth and kids as well. 
Um, we, we have some spiritual growth opportunities because we want this season to spur within us um, questions of faith and uh, challenges to live uh, more in line with what Christ would have for us. So I'm going to have an Advent Bible study beginning this Wednesday at 1030, classroom just down the hall, this Wednesday for the next four weeks. And then um, we will have a new Sunday school class for children and their parents. Bailey Weisensell and I will teach this together. She'll have the kids, and I'll be with their parents. Uh, again, all four Sundays of Advent, beginning this upcoming Sunday, de December 3rd. And then on Wednesday, December 13th, here in the sanctuary and out in the lobby, uh, Advent prayer stations. This is the different kind of worship experience. It's immersive. It's interactive. You go at your own pace. It's not the kind of event where you sit still and you listen to something. Um, it's instead inviting you to engage in the themes of Advent in an interactive way. So mark your calendar for that too, December 13th. But we also have some really special ways that we want to give and to be of service. We will have a Christmas party here at the church for our campers from Camp Discovery. Um, so many people have been planning behind the scenes for this. The kids are going to receive some really terrific gifts that they both need and want. That's on December 16th. And also we are continuing our support of the foster children under the care of Rowan One Church, One Child. Many of you have already been generous in contributing to this. Um, it's just an amazing ministry that we, along with other churches, can partner together to help make sure that foster children in our community have what they need in order to flourish. And so in all of these ways, we want to experience a joyful Advent. Again, pick up one of these. Um, pick another one up for a friend to invite him or her and mark your calendars. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. SpaceX is that company you've heard about in the news. They're all about space exploration research, making rockets, and spacecraft, launching them, and it is in many ways representing the next phase of space exploration in our country. It's pretty amazing what they've been able to do. They've had a few failures though, admittedly. Back in April, one of their rockets, there was a successful launch at first, but just a little bit after it launched and it was about to make its way uh, into the stratosphere, it exploded. And then just last week, SpaceX, their rocket launched, went a little bit higher than the one in April, but it also failed. It exploded. But do you know what they call it? They don't call it an explosion. They call it a rud. A RUD, R-U-D, stands for Rapid Unplanned Disassembly. <laughs> now, how's that for a euphemism? Let's not call it an explosion. A Rapid Unplanned Disassembly. 
It's amazing, really, how far space exploration has come over the past several decades. Because for most of civilization living on planet Earth, we have only known life existing on terra firma. But then in the late 1950s into the early 1960s, people started to realize there's going to be opportunity for us beyond this planet. People walking on the moon, satellites in orbit, space stations, and all of these giant leaps forward were starting to prompt some Christian theologians to realize, what does this mean for what we believe and how we live? There was a prominent Methodist theologian named Dow Kirkpatrick who wrote on this topic under the theme, The Finality of Christ. And Kirkpatrick was wanting to affirm some traditional beliefs about Jesus Christ, to say that Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God's truth and love for us. And that if there's anything for us to possibly know and to believe about God, it's going to be shown to us through Jesus. And so we continue to look to him, to learn from him, to follow him. And we affirm that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that had a particular kind of resonance back when most people lived under the rule of a king or a queen or some other variation of a monarch. For us in the United States, that continues to challenge our sensibilities because we're used to electing the people who rule over us. But Jesus has been made king over all of creation. So what does it mean for us to be able to get into a rocket and leave what we know to be creation? Well, Kirkpatrick was asking these kinds of questions, which at the time represented cutting-edge thought. And he wrote that we need to recognize that Jesus is more than simply the infinite becoming finite in a particular time. Moreover, Jesus is the universal expression of God's love defined in the particularity of one person in a particular context. And that context came to dwell with us here on this planet. However, we're starting to recognize that we do not necessarily need to live on this planet. It's possible to live in a spacecraft out there somewhere. There are astronauts, cosmonauts, who have lived on the International Space Station. People who have walked on the moon. Some are wanting to colonize on another planet. So what does this mean about the reign of Christ? We need to expand our notion to understand that the reign of Christ includes the entire cosmos, which includes some elements of what space exploration can discover, 
But then we humbly recognize there's so much more out there. Far more than we can grasp or chronicle. And Jesus is king over all of it. If those were the questions that people were asking back in the late 1950s, early 1960s, well then we've been living with these questions for several decades now. I believe that the questions now in the 2020s are altogether different. Because we're not living in the space age, we're living in the information age. And the information age is giving us video images, content, data about people living all over the world. And so we're able to discover what's happening over here and over there and to get this information in real time. Because for most of civilization, including up until the space age, people only knew their village, their town. Maybe they would have a little bit of an inkling of what was happening in the state capital. Maybe they would know a little bit of what was happening in somewhere else because of a cousin who spoke with them on the phone. And maybe if they read the paper, they might have a little bit of insight on some international news from what happened a week ago. But in the information age, we know about everything always all at once. What are we going to do with all of that information? Especially when we are encountering people suffering who themselves have experienced a rud, a rapid, unplanned disassembly. In the news, we are learning about ruds happening in Ukraine, in Gaza, other places all over the world. We're learning about ruds happening in other communities in our own country. You've even experienced a rut or two in your own life. If you're looking within, if you're noticing your history, if you're being honest about what's happened, maybe in your personal life or professional life, you've noticed, oof, I've had a couple of rapid, unplanned disassemblies. Jesus, we believe, is the king over all. So how do we encounter people who are suffering, who are in pain, in need? People who have come up upon a rud in their life. Maybe it's their own doing. Or maybe they're the victim of somebody else's crime. We don't know. But Jesus says a word about this in Matthew chapter 25. This is one of the only passages in the New Testament where Jesus himself speaks about that time when he will come again. And when he comes, he declares that he, the good shepherd, will separate people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You know, sheep and goats, they just can't live together. It's just not possible. They have to be separated. 
And this imagery is drawing from the Old Testament imagery that we heard from the book of Ezekiel. That King David will be the shepherd, but Jesus, who is within the lineage of David, is is ultimately the shepherd, who alone is able to separate. If you've ever had the chance to visit the Vatican Museums, after you make your way through the Raphael rooms, of course, people are so excited to make their way into the Sistine Chapel and to look up at that famous ceiling, Michelangelo's fresco. And as beautiful as the ceiling is, you can't help but look at the wall behind the altar because it's another one of his masterpieces entitled The Last Judgment. It's based on this scripture, Matthew chapter 25. Sheep and goats. I find it interesting that in a lot of language, um, in, in a lot of conversations, people are in debate about who is the goat. This is particularly in sports. Like in basketball, who's the goat? Of all the quarterbacks who have played in the NFL, who's the goat? And ultimately, these conversations will just keep on happening because there's no real way to compare. It ultimately comes down to who your favorite is. But the goat in this conversation means greatest of all time. But in the biblical worldview, you don't want to be a goat. You humbly want to be a sheep living under the care of the loving shepherd. Well, how is it? How is it that we know if we're a part of the sheep or part of the goats? Well, interestingly, I think a lot of Protestants are surprised to find out, at least according to the Bible, what Jesus says, it doesn't come down to some sort of test about if you check off the right boxes. But it's about your authentic faith being alive and how you interact with people who are suffering and in need. The people who are hungry, did you feed them? The people who are thirsty, did you give them something to drink? The people who are sick or in prison, did you go to visit them? The people who are naked, who are without, did you provide for them? These are the ultimate questions about your faith being real and how you interact with people. I feel like every time this text comes up in a conversation like in a Sunday school class or a Bible study, the question very quickly goes to the age-old test of when I'm driving in the car and I come to an intersection and I see a person standing on the side of the road holding a sign, what do I do? It's a good question to ask. I think there's so much more going on here because people have faced a rud, a rapid, unplanned disassembly of their life, and then they find themselves in this place that they didn't desire. How do you interact? How do you respond? I heard one social commentator say that Maybe we need to blame Sesame Street. Now, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? 
We watch Sesame Street to learn our ABCs and our one, two, threes. And we love to hear the songs that Elmo sings, and we love to see what Bert and Ernie are up to. We love to see Big Bird and his antics. But there's another character on Sesame Street, Oscar. And do you notice how people always talk to Oscar? They minimize him. They call him a grouch. He lives in a trash can. No one ever helps Oscar find a new home. Do kids learn how to step over people thanks to Oscar the Grouch? Now, don't get me wrong. I love Sesame Street. So much nostalgia from my childhood is wrapped up in that show. But the question begs, how do we teach children? And do we mistakenly teach children to just step over people in need? I pray that we don't. Because there are so many people here in our own community, but thanks to the information age, we're finding out about people all over the world who have faced a rud. How are we, as God's people, going to respond? When we hear about suffering in Gaza, in Ukraine, and other places, we could very easily feel overwhelmed, like, 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 like there's nothing we could do to possibly make an impact. And that's part of the challenge of living in the information age. Yet I think we have an opportunity to take what is authentically a broken heart over other people's suffering and do something about it here, right now. Jesus says every time that you give somebody who's hungry something to eat, you're doing that to me, he says. And every time you give somebody who's thirsty something to drink, you're doing that to me. Yes, we're talking about people who are genuinely hungry because they haven't had a square, a square meal and they can't even remember the last time. Yes, someone who's hungry like that. But there are other people who are, are hungry for truth in their life. Yes, people who are thirsty for a cold cup of water or for a warm, cozy cup of coffee. But there are also people who are, are thirsting for something real in their life. Yes, people who are legitimately in prison, but there are also other people who are held down by other shackles. People who are going without. We encounter these people all the time, all the time. And Jesus says, those who are willing and able to put their faith into action by providing for those who are in a rud. Those people are my sheep. I will continue to care for them. And when that time comes, they will be welcomed into that eternal home. Part of the challenge of being a Christian in the information age is recognizing just how many people out there in the world do not acknowledge Christ as king. How many people out there all over the world 
who do not live under Christ's reign. Again, that brings us sorrow and sadness, but hopefully just more inspiration to be faithful right now where we live in the sincere hope that through the power of the Spirit, God would do something with our loving acts of kindness authentically and humbly shared for people in need. We worship Christ the King, whose reign and rule over our life offers us life now and life for eternity. And we worship him. Amen.